0: How will the New Orleans Saints utilize Michael Thomas once he returns? you go on Pete Werner or Quan Alexander? And will this team be able to make a push for the playoffs down the stretch? We got our Monday mailbag today and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Monday Mailbag episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. And just a reminder, we're here and available for you free and on all platforms, including on YouTube. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On. Saints, the New Orleans Saints have some key returns on the way over the next couple of weeks. Now that we're through the bye week, one of the big questions that everyone wants to know as we get started with our Monday mailbag here is if Michael Thomas is back against Seattle, how is he going to be utilized? Just a couple of shout outs here. We got Mr. Jerry coming through, 992 Raz, T word, as well as Eddie Tedder, all these folks coming through from YouTube or the Locked On Saints Facebook group, which you can join at Facebook.com/slash groups slash locked on saints. Want to know how Michael Thomas is going to be utilized if he ends up playing against Seattle. Is he going to be a decoy? Is he going to be force-fed the ball? And the answer, I would say, assuming that Michael Thomas plays against Seattle, is yes to both of those things. Because I do think that you have to force-feed him a little bit early. The New Orleans Saints so far this season have only thrown two out of their five games to open up their possessions, to open up their game. Three out of two or three out of the five, they've run the ball with the first play of the game. Those other two, they pass the ball the first play of the game, and I think we might see the third time that they pass to open it up, up against Seattle if Michael Thomas is on the field. Now, when I say that he might get force-fed, and I agree to that idea, but then he'll be used as a decoy, let's talk about how that happens. I think you force-feed him a little bit early. You got to get him some catches. You got to get him back into rhythm, and I'm not talking about throwing to him seven times in the first possession or anything crazy like that. I think a couple of early passes on, you know, quick slants, things like that, that get him involved, get him back into his catching motion, get him in rhythm, especially against these Seattle Seahawks corners. That would be a smart idea. And again, this is us assuming that Michael Thomas is able to play against Seattle. How is he utilized? Maybe against Tampa, if that's the day that he makes his debut, it's a little bit of a tougher secondary, a tougher defense. Maybe you go a different route there for him. But up against Seattle and the soft coverage issues that they have so far this season, 32nd ranked defense in the NFL take that opportunity to start to get him in rhythm early then you force feed him a little bit early right again I'm not talking about going out of control here but you get him involved in the offense early and then you utilize him as a decoy after that because then the defense starts paying a little bit more attention to him maybe you see a safety start to come over the top you see maybe some bracket coverage in the short intermediate areas as well with linebackers that's going to open up the middle of the field for you for more of those angle or Texas routes like you saw on the touchdown from uh, Jameis Winston to Alvin Kamara against the Patriots. More of those opportunities over the middle of the field begin to become available. And not only does that benefit those that are catching passes out of the backfield, benefits all of those players that might be catching passes over the middle of the field. Traequan Smith, if he's back, Adam Troutman, if his role begins to expand a little bit more as a pass catcher. And then, of course, you end up uh, drawing some attention over to one side of the field. That's going to open up the box in the middle and allow you to be able to run a little bit more as well. So it really benefits in a ton of different ways to force feed him a little bit early, get him in the game, get him in rhythm, and then utilize him as a decoy and then keep going back to him every now and then after that. I think you're probably going to see him on a bit of a pitch count. You're not going to see him go out there and play. 50, 60 offensive snaps. If the Saints do that, you'll see them take him off the field every now and then and roll with the receivers that they've been rolling with since the beginning of the season. That's what I would expect. But who knows? Hey, look, it's going to be hard to get Michael Thomas off the field. There's no doubt about that. This guy wants to be out there. And once he gets out there, he doesn't want to leave again. He went through that last year already. I don't think he's going to want to be bothered with any of that going into this season. The guy just wants to get back out on the field and be able to produce for his team. But I do expect to see him on maybe like 30 snaps, 25 snaps, something like that, which would make sense. Just make sure you're easing him back in, but you got to have him out there enough for him to start to develop a rhythm with quarterback Jameis Winston. Now, uh, I want to get to another specific question around Michael Thomas. It's kind of our Michael Thomas uh, section to open up the show here, because we had a lot of Michael Thomas themed questions. This one comes from YouTube. Uh, We've got Jeffrey Brown here who wants to know, uh, do you think that we get the Michael Thomas back that makes this team a dangerous team? Yes, absolutely. I think so. Now, again, it might not happen immediately, right? We have to understand that he hasn't played since the playoffs last year. He's, you know, been out with this ankle injury. He's recovering from surgery in addition to the injury. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to get back into rhythm and all of that. But we've heard Coach Curtis Johnson, the wide receivers coach, say he believes that Michael Thomas could be out on the field right now. Now, of course, logistically, no, he cannot because you have NFL rules that prohibit that from happening. But in terms of how he's what he's seen from Michael Thomas. Is clearly very confident about what he's going to look like as he returns to health and gets back out on the field. So I do think that this is a Michael Thomas that comes back and makes this team dangerous. And remember, it's not just Michael Thomas that ends up coming back to this uh, comes coming back to this team for you. We can go to Jerry's question: Who wants to know about which key players you think we'll see back with the Seahawks game after the bye week? And if so, like who are, who are those players going to be? And if not, uh, then when are you going to see them back? there are a lot of players that can come back to this team. And if you check out yesterday's episode, Thursday's, uh, excuse me, it would be Friday's episode before the weekend, before the bye week, I broke down three key players that are returning as well as several other roles that players are gonna end up filling coming back that can end up helping this team big time. I didn't even go through it, it go through everybody, right? I didn't talk about Ken Crawley bringing depth to the, uh, to the secondary. I didn't talk about some of these other players that are going to be coming back and providing you know, help on the roster, maybe not help in the starting lineup, but the Saints are getting legitimate starters back either against the Seahawks or over co- the course of the next couple of weeks. It's going to take time once they return to get back into the swing of things, but I do think that every player that is returning, Michael Thomas, David Onyemata, Will Lutz, when he's able to get back in the next few weeks, However long it's going to take for all these players to get back out on the field, that offensive line, so on and so forth. Every one of those players, even Tony Jones Jr., right, coming back too after a couple of weeks, every one of these players has the ability to make this team a team that is strong enough to uh, be a dangerous team. Now, are they going to make a push for the playoffs toward the end of the season? Playoffs, that's what we're going to talk about. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Quan Alexander and Pete Werner as well. What do you do when Quan Alexander comes back? Where do you go? At that linebacker spot, we'll talk about that and much more as we continue on through our Monday mailbag here for today's episode of Locked On Saints. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about our friends over at Direct TV. Y'all have heard me talk about Direct TV stream a ton. Uh, right now, as you're watching this, I'm you know away, right? So I don't have access to my Direct TV stream right now. So I'm going to have to be doing a bunch of stuff on my computer, my laptop, getting some logins, all the other stuff. I'm going to have to be switching back from app to app in order to watch things while we're gone and away and everything. And I'm not looking forward to that. That's one of the things that I love about DirecTV. They clean up all that stuff for you. They help you get all of your TV together in one place. You can seamlessly transition from your favorite sports, your favorite movies, your favorite TV, whatever it is that you love. You can transition seamlessly all throughout. It's fantastic. And best of all, there's no annual contract with this either. It's fantastic. DirecTV doing it right here with Direct TV Stream. So go and check them out and get more information at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required and content varies by package. Hey family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints thank you again as always for making us your first listen of the day every day here on the show we're going through our monday mailbag at the moment thank you all so much for everybody that sent questions whether i'm able to get to your answers or get to your questions or not we got a ton of questions so i really really appreciate the time for everyone that submitted and we got a lot of questions about pete werner we got our pete werner and Quan alexander and what you're gonna do When Quan Alexander returns, Cam Armstrong, John Watkins, Tony Maley, I mean, we had so many people that came through on all of these, and this is a really interesting question because, as Tony said, it's a good problem to have, and it really is, and the Saints linebacker core as a whole, by the way, has just been surprising from the very beginning. They, much like the cornerback spot, were seen as a weakness for this team, and now all of a sudden... You're seeing some very good play from both of these units, in particular the linebacker spot, and in particular here recently, Pete Werner, the rookie linebacker out of Ohio State. Now, I did have somebody ask a little bit more specifically did Pete Werner play Sam at Ohio State? And if so, why not just let him play Sam as opposed to having him play Will? Well, actually, he did play Will at Ohio State and he spent a good amount of time there. The thing is, though, that the Ohio State Buckeyes used a lot of four linebacker. Uh, uh, formations throughout their time and throughout Pete Werner's time there so as he and I actually talked to Pete Werner about this when we did media availability at minicamp he talked a little bit about how the role is the same and that it's the will linebacker but the responsibilities are a little bit different so where he's being asked to be a little bit more in coverage here in New Orleans he was being asked to be a little bit more of a blitzer or a strong side linebacker style but from the weak side in uh in Columbus so I do think that that becomes a big part of what you're sort of seeing him transition away from and transition into in New Orleans. And so far, he's handled that transition extremely well. Now, you've noticed that he's been pretty solid in coverage so far, covering guys like tight ends, running backs out of the slot, making some really fantastic plays in the flats. I'll remind you about that play that he made against the the New York Giants, actually two plays that he made against New York Giants on the swing pass that he tackled for a loss with Saquon Barkley. And then another one where he covered Saquon Barkley extremely well, and it was able to break away from Saquon just in time to be able to stop Daniel Jones as he crossed the line of scrimmage. Really good instincts as a linebacker. And one of the things that we knew about him as he was coming into the NFL, we knew he was going to be solid in a lot of things, but he's not necessarily a playmaker for you. That's going to get you any interceptions and things like that. That's where Quan Alexander's value comes in. He's a little bit more of a playmaker guy for better or for worse. Remember last year, Quan Alexander picked the wrong angle to go after. uh, I almost called him Brian Westbrook. That's the old Philadelphia Eagles uh, running back. Miles Sanders, excuse me. And Miles Sanders broke off that big 70, 80 yard run, whatever it was. But for the most part, you will take those every now and then because of the consistent play that you get from Quan Alexander as a playmaker all over this defense. So I think that it kind of depends on how the New Orleans Saints value playmaking versus how they value consistency. And I think that that's going to make the decision for them about who they go with, Pete Werner or Quan Alexander. Neither of them are on extensive contracts that force you to put them out on the field. In fact, Quan Alexander's is incentive laden, but it still only goes up to what, $3 million, $5 million? So it's not really uh, $3 million, actually. So it's not going to put you in a situation where you feel like you have to have Quan Alexander there. And then you have Pete Werner on a rookie contract. So you're not going to have to make this decision based upon who you're paying more, which is a really fantastic situation for the Saints to be in. They can simply make the decision based upon game situation. That, so that's kind of where I go with this. When Quan Alexander comes back, he's getting on the field. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You don't keep Quan Alexander off the field. However, I wouldn't be surprised to see him and in Pete, in Pete Werner continuing to sort of rotate quite a bit and maybe even see the two of them with, uh, de, uh, with DeMario Davis on the field on certain plays where they do go to three linebackers. Although I don't know that either one of them really has a lot of experience playing as a Sam linebacker, and Caden Ellis has done extremely well there so far this season. So it might be a little tough to bounce Caden out of that spot, but we'll see. The Saints have been creative before, and certainly they'll find a way to make sure that the best 11 players are on the field in the game situations that they're necessary. All right, before we get to the outlook for the rest of this season, uh, we've got a great question coming up from Kyle Davis about whether or not the Saints are going to be able to make a push for the playoffs here in this final stretch of the season, now that they're post bye week, I want to get to this great question, a second one here from John Watkins from over at YouTube, where he asks a little bit about the preseason chatter around Sean Payton and the wide receivers. Now you don't have to worry too much about the wide receivers because Sean Payton's fantastic at scheming guys open, but yet we've seen to we've seemed to see some issues with the wide receivers getting open throughout this season so far. So who is playing a role? in that difficulty. And I know for for certain, I was one of the guys that said, you know what, I'm not too worried about this wide receiver position. They'll be great when they get Michael Thomas back. And Sean Payton is fantastic at scheming wide receivers open, one of the best in the NFL when it comes to doing it. And I still believe that, but I do think every coach has some limitation at even the things that they're best at. If you watch the film and look back and watch some of the schemes that the Saints have tried to run, They're running schemes that they were running back in 2011, 2015, 2013. These big, high-powered offenses, they're running those plays, and they're trying out new stuff as well. I mean, Sean Payton is forever taking his time to scheme and, and, and draw stuff up, but you didn't really see the advantage from that until Kenny Stills showed up. Kenny Stills has done a very good job with this team, perhaps quietly, as well as Ty Montgomery. They've both found ways to sort of adjust what they're doing over the course of these five games for Kenny Stills over the course of the few games that he was a part of to find their way open in Sean Payton's scheme. You saw the adjusted sale route that they've continued to run with Kenny Stills. Usually a sale route will have a vertical route and then an out route that kind of crosses over it. And Kenny Stills, what they've done with him is that instead of taking the out route all the way out, he'll fake that, but then come back inside. They've done a good job with that. You saw a similar route from Ty Montgomery as well. So Sean Payton's continued to innovate and find ways to scheme wide receivers open. So he's still finding ways to do it. However, if you watch through the film, some of those concepts that we just talked about that the Saints are running a bunch of that we haven't seen in New Orleans for quite some time with breaks further downfield, all that stuff, the receivers just haven't done a great job with them. It's been spacing issues. It's been two of them in the same areas. It's been breaks not happening cleanly. It's rounding off routes, stuff like that. All of that is really detrimental. To what that scheme looks like. So these receivers have improved on that. I'm less concerned about it here as we pass through the bye week than I was in week two or week three, which is good news. Everybody's getting better. But I do think that, look, everything has its limitations and in order for a scheme to work, it has to be executed well. And we've seen execution be a bit of an issue for the Saints offense early on in the season. But I do think that those things, as we've already seen them start to do, continue to clear up as the season moves along. And as we're talking about this team moving forward throughout the rest of the season, coming up next, we're going to discuss whether or not they can do it again. Can they put together one of those big winning streaks like we've seen over the past three, four seasons and propel themselves into the playoff conversation or better yet into the playoffs at all? So we'll talk about that as we continue on with our Mailbag Monday episode of Locked on Saints. Before we get to it, though, if you need to make that final push throughout the rest of your day. There's no better way to do it than with Built Bar. I try to use, I try to take on a Built Bar like maybe around like 2, 3 p.m. Whenever the energy is starting to drop and I need to make that push throughout the rest of the day, it's fantastic. And you can actually enjoy it. There's no compromise with these protein bars. You don't have to suffer through all the high sugar content and everything just to make a protein bar hardly tolerable like some of those other protein bars that are out there. Nah, these are protein bars that taste like candy bars. These are fantastic. And Even though they taste like candy bars, you're talking about four or five grams of sugar and net carbs. You're talking about 17, 18 grams of protein. So you're getting everything that you need only 130 to 180 calories. These things are absolute magic. And you're going to love the flavor of them too, as they're covered in 100% chocolate and have some fantastic flavors for you to choose from. And don't forget to also make sure that you check out the website, builtbar.com, for all the limited edition flavors that come and go very quickly. So you don't want to miss them. So go and check them out over at BuiltBar.com. When you pick up that box, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so that you can get 15% off, whether it's your first order or your next order, doesn't matter, 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. And I do want to tell you as well about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. I'm taking a look right now On the website, you've got the MLB World Series playoffs, everything going on right now. The Dodgers, the Astros, the Reds, the Braves. Right now, the Dodgers is the favorite at plus 110 to take it all home for the World Series. you got the Astros at 225, Red Sox at 475, and Braves at 575. So who do you have? Let me know as you're watching the show. You can let me know on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, or you can hit me up down below if you're watching on YouTube in the comments. But don't forget to tell me, don't just tell me Go over to betonline.ag and get in on the action as well. Have a little bit of fun with this. Baseball is fun to bet on because you never know where things are going to go. So go and check them out over at betonline.ag. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, so you can get a 50% welcome bonus as a new user on your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. No better or easier place to bet than betonline.ag, where the game starts. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrap it up today's episode of Locked On Saints with your questions. We kind of themed the first two uh, kind of sections of the show today, the first couple of conversations we had around Michael Thomas, around Pete Werner, Quan Alexander, and this defense. Now I want to talk a little bit about picking up some of these other uh, questions. So I want to start off with Kyle Davis here, who actually had three questions, but there's one that I want to specifically focus on. And he asked me if I thought that maybe once the Saints got all of their key players back on all sides of the ball, if they're going to make a strong run to the playoffs. So let me clarify one thing here just to be at least a little bit realistic about this from my side, right? For me, I think there's the possibility you get all of these players back all at the same time, but there's also a possibility that some of these players get re-injured or other players get injured. I mean, you're always going to have to deal with something when it comes to the game of football, right? So I want to establish that sort of realistic expectation here, but I do think that barring anything really big. The Saints do have some real potential here to make a push for the playoffs. And maybe I'm just being optimistic. Maybe I'm just trying to give you hope. But look, there have been things so far that have just broken the right way for this team several years in a row. You're talking about several win streaks in each of the last four seasons that have put them into a situation to where they're clinching the NFC South by Thanksgiving. Do I think that they can do that again this year? No, I think it's going to take a little bit longer. But I think the 17th game, the extra playoff spot, everything is sort of in the perfect condition for the Saints to be able to at least put themselves in the playoff conversation, excuse me. But if they're able to get all these players back and be completely healthy and everybody's in rhythm and they're getting going, they figure out their identity, which by the way, guys, these are not easy things to do, right? But if they can achieve all of that, then I do think that this is a playoff team. I've said it from the very beginning before the preseason even started all of that. I saw this team as a nine or 10 win team, and that gives you a winning record and therefore an opportunity at the playoffs now, particularly with the additional game. Right? There's no such thing as, a, as an even team anymore. You're either a winning team or you're a losing team. And as long as they're a winning team, they get the opportunity there. You have the extra game, you have the extra playoff spot. The Saints are going to get a bunch of pieces back. They might move. They might lose some more players along the way. We know that that's always a reality when it comes to the NFL. We just know that. But if they're able to get everything together, establish that identity, strike a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit. I don't even want to say less balance or more balance because this team is actually very balanced when it comes to their run-pass split. But if you see maybe more of the explosive plays coming from the passing and more of the explosive plays coming from the run game, the things that make a difference, as well as being able to extend some of these drives, as opposed to just relying on splash plays, then I think you're going to have a sustainable product with a very, very good defense. That's only going to improve as pieces start to come back, including Marcus Davenport, David on and of course, Quan Alexander. So do I think that the Saints are in a position right now to where they're going to continue to get better even without these players? Yes. But do I think that the players coming back, make them a playoff competitive team? absolutely. All right, y'all, in case you didn't know, the NFL trade deadline is Tuesday, November 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern time. I imagine here at Locked On Saints, we're going to, or here at the Locked On Podcast Network, we're going to have some live coverage of that. So stay tuned for that as we get more details. But uh, this is a great question that comes from Charles over at YouTube, who wants to know if the Saints should make a trade before the trade deadline, and if so, what position and what, you know, what position could they make a move for? And I'm going to be honest. I don't think that the Saints make a move at the trade deadline unless there is some type of a setback with some player coming back at a specific position or anything like that. I mean, and I don't want to speak this into existence, so I'm just going to be very general about it. There are certain positions on this team that you're really hoping that you get the pieces back, but if for whatever reason there's any kind of a setback or a re-injury, you're going to have to address the position. I'm not going to be any more detailed than that because I'm not trying to set up the, the, the universe to come back and spite me on this. So I do think that there would be certain circumstances in which you would go out and make that move. Um, and then even barring that, there are some obvious places where you could see the Saints maybe wanting to deliver some attention. We'll see how tight end works out once you get Nick vanitt back and how that impacts Adam Troutman. Can he start to break out after he had a nice game against the Washington football team? Do you need to address additional bodies on the defensive interior? Do you need to continue to look into the wide receiver position? I've had a lot of people ask me if the Saints should trade for Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think you do because you simply can't afford him. So I don't really look at, and I don't think you want to extend him either based on his health situation and stuff. And you don't want to restructure him into future years so that you're still paying for him off of maybe half a season of production. I just don't see that happening, but I could see the Saints addressing that wide receiver position if they needed to, or any of these other positions, if they needed to, even regardless of health at the spot. But do I think they're going to do it via trade? No, I just don't see this team as being a very active team at the trade deadline. Juan Alexander last year was an exception. Usually when the Saints trade, it's preseason, it's during the draft, that's when they make their moves, not usually in the middle of the season. All right, let's get to a very quick one here from Danny Curley from over at the uh, Locked on Saints Facebook group. What can Jameis Winston do to lessen the divide in his ability to lead the team in terms of fan perspective? Win. Win and win cleanly. That's all it takes. Honestly, that's it. That's all I got for you. Uh, let's take another look at a second question here from Kyle Davis before we get to something I'm really excited to talk about because I know it's been a little bit of a debate, but is Cam Jordan going to break out into a sack maniac when the defensive line has its familiars back? So this is a really good question because we talked about it a bit over the court last, uh, probably like the last couple of weeks, but really heavily over the last couple of days uh, at the end of last week, where we were talking about the way that David Onyemata impacts this team. So I do think that getting David Onyemata back, getting Marcus Davenport back as well, does help to open up opportunities for both of those players, but also helps to open up opportunities for the other players around, including Cam Jordan, who has gotten closer and closer and closer. He's not getting the sacks, but he's got intense pressure numbers right now, and he's actually got a lot of hit numbers as well. So he's been playing... Well, he's just not getting to the quarterback in time. So I do think that, you know, that along with coverage, there are so many things that factor in to how long a quarterback holds the ball, which would help Cam Jordan get to the quarterback. Cam Jordan's never been a speed rusher. He's never been the guy that gets to the quarterback in 2.5 seconds. He's always been the one that outlasts the offensive lineman. That is, we, we actually broke that down like a year ago here on the show in terms of looking at his average sack time over the course of the last few seasons, even in those double digit sack seasons. He's just simply bigger and stronger, not necessarily faster. So I think that having a little bit more of the improved coverage downfield as, you know, Marcus, uh, sorry, excuse me, well, Marcus Williams is playing fantastic, but Marshawn Lattimore has been having an incredible season. Paulson and getting settled in. Bradley Roby will probably start to take on a larger role in this defense over the course of the next few weeks as well. I think that all of that helps. And then of course, the disruption that can come up the middle from David on that could flush a non-mobile quarterback to Cam Jordan's side. That obviously makes a big difference as well. All right, this is the final one that I want to get to here. Joel Price with a great question, because I've seen this conversation come up a ton. Uh, Trey Hendrickson or Marcus Williams, was Marcus Williams the right decision? I think yes. Listen, Trey Hendrickson's got four sacks over in Cincinnati right now, four and a half, and he leads that team in sacks. I get it. And right now, the Saints are struggling to get that pressure. They're struggling on the defensive line, but I got to tell you, they're not giving up the big plays. And I think without Marcus Williams, you're struggling to keep the big plays at bay if you're also not getting the pass rush already. So I'm not trying to compound the problem here by taking away the deep coverage when you're also giving a quarterback a ton of time to, to, uh, to, to figure it out. One player in terms of you know the player coming off the edge isn't going to make a difference when you're missing all of these other pieces already anyway, right? Trey Hendrickson, not much different in terms of, or might not have the same type of production that he's having in Cincinnati if he's the one getting double teamed in New Orleans right now because teams aren't worried about double teaming or dedicating enough hats in the interior. They're putting those helmets over on the edge. And so Trey Hendrickson fighting through double teams, we've seen that's not something that he really did consistently last year, even as he racked up 13 and a half sacks. So I have a hard time believing that a player in place of Marcus Davenport performs well enough to make the decision to not have Marcus Davenport there in favor of having Trey Hendrickson getting double teamed 30% of his snaps. I just don't see that being the case. So I go Marcus Williams as being the better of the two in terms of the option and the uh, decision that the Saints made to franchise tag Marcus Williams over the course, this offseason, as opposed to re-signing Trey Hendrickson, who had one season of production. All right, family, as always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Rod Walker of the Times-Picayune New Orleans, AdvocateNOLA.com, sports columnist there. Phenomenal stuff and a great conversation with Rod. Very grateful to have him on the show. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have our guy Ricardo Lecomte back from WWL-TV doing an entire show with us. for our WWL Wednesdays. Thursday, we got crossover Thursday, Friday, keys to victory. And then Monday, we'll do another additional breakdown before that Monday night football game against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Can the New Orleans Saints improve to four and two ahead of traveling back home to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, on Halloween day? It's going to be a lot of fun here throughout the week. Thank you so much, as always, for supporting the show. Now, go and support another show. Get your second listen in with the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. NFL analyst Brian Peacock, former NFL scout, Matt Williamson, giving you everything you need to know about the NFL with an insider's look in less than 30 minutes. I appreciate y'all, as always, for everything that you've done. Thank you for all the well wishes. I'm talking to you early in terms of me talking into this camera, but I promise you I'm having a wonderful time at my wedding today. So Thanks, everybody, for all the support and all the well wishes. I appreciate y'all. Remember, for everything in between, you can always follow along on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holler at you.